I read a book by Steve Furtick, who is the pastor of Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's an absolutely incredibly wild story in the Old Testament that is truly hard to believe. After I read the book, I said to myself, now, that's an Old Testament story I should preach on sometime. But for uh, 12 years, that book has been sitting on my shelf. Well, after 12 years, I picked up that book again, opened my Bible up to Joshua chapter 12, or chapter 10, and I, I found myself asking the question that Furtick asks, what happens when you dare to ask God for the impossible? And I began to ask myself, does God still do the impossible? Would God break through in my life, in my church, and in this world and do the impossible? This past year, two very different things happened here at Fort City. Online and in person, we've begun to see God move very powerfully in people's lives, lifting people out of darkness and despair, breaking through bondages, filling people with joy so that their lives flourish despite the challenges of all that's going on in our world right now. In my 10 years here, I have not seen as much deep life change and healing as I've seen in this last year. At the same time, there's been this pandemic, and it's been a struggle for us as a church. It's, it, we've been a little slow to see people return to church at the level we saw before the pandemic. Uh, it, it's slow, but it is happening. And, and with that, as you've heard over and over again, uh, we've had our challenges in giving, and you've heard about the challenge to fill the volunteer work positions. All of that is happening, too. People are stepping up, but by far, we're in the midst of the biggest struggle we've had in the last 10 years. And, and that's just true of churches all over. It's not unique to us. It's kind of uh, just challenging. But two things from this past year. We've had more God stories of life change than we've ever had because of the ministries of Fort City. And, and we've had more struggle than we've ever had to make those ministries happen. But God is moving in the right direction. Let me tell you one story that really encouraged me. I mean, people love to hear about physical healing because it's so spectacular. I get that, and, and it does happen. But what really jazzes my heart is when I see a soul heal, a, a life transformed, when, when someone is lifted from darkness and enters into a new experience of light. And, and one of those stories involves one of our board members, Drew Wilson, who attended our Soul Care Conference in October. Drew is a stellar board member. He has the spiritual gift of wisdom. He speaks softly but powerfully. He asks insightful questions. God uses him to help our board make wise decisions. But as someone who's gotten to know Drew fairly well and, you know, beyond just taking a long-distance short shooting course with him several years back, but just over the years, I, I've seen another side to Drew where he really struggles with who he is, with where he fits, there's been a darkness, a, a malaise that has clouded him and robbed him of joy that, that has made his life just generally heavy. At, at our soul care conference, led by Doug and Terry Balzer, Drew sought prayer for, that he might be delivered from this bondage, that this malaise might be lifted. A small group of us gathered around Drew and listened to his prayer request, and Terry Balzer asked some penetrating questions as she tried to dis spiritually discern what was going on. She seemed to hit a bit of a wall, and, and at that point, I felt strongly moved to the Spirit to say, hey, let's keep pushing. There's, there's something here that needs to be uprooted. As we walked through a, a Spirit-led, prayerful process where we, we saw Drew delivered from what I'll call a, a spiritual bondage, and, and pretty quickly, there was a, a change in Drew's facial disposition. You could literally see that the darkness had lifted. 
And Drew knew at that moment that an inner healing had taken place, a, a deliverance that has led to a new sense of freedom and joy in his life. And that change that happened back in October has held in Drew's life. He was touched, healed, delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is so, so awesome. Seeing the disposition of someone's life move from darkness to light, from heaviness to joy, is incredibly powerful. There is nothing quite like seeing God set someone free. It's a miracle. It, it defies science as we know it. It's a, it's a God thing. My prayer is that we will see God moving in greater power and with more freedom in 2022. That we'll see more lives deeply transformed by the loving work of God who, who just specialize in, in, in doing what is impossible. And that's why I want us to look at this very incredible story found in the book of Joshua, chapter 10, uh, verses 7 to 14. And if any of you want to follow along in your Bibles, mostly on your phones, I know, Joshua chapter 10. What we're going to do today is be challenged about the kind of prayers we pray, prayers about your life, your family, your job, your health, the, the mission of our church. You know, sometimes uh, we, we just think that uh, a supernatural move of God, you know, is, is like reserved for some super Christian A-list a, a -list elite, right? But the reason stories like this keep turning up in the Bible is, is to encourage us to see that it's, it's not so much about us as it is about the God we seek. That ordinary people who look to an extraordinary God can experience the miraculous. As we look at this story... I want you to think of something that you've been praying for. Keep that in mind as we walk through this story. Uh, my prayer is that this story will inspire you to believe. When Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, he's saying he didn't save us just to survive and get by in this world. No, Jesus saved us so that he could use us to change this world. And in the process, Jesus wants our lives to flourish. So let's leap into this story about sun standstill faith and faith that believes God for the impossible, faith that can move mountains as a part of our ordinary, everyday Christian experience. Let's read the start of the story. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. So Joshua is marching up from a town called Gilgal with his entire army, and, and they are headed for battle. And notice this. God speaks to Joshua in the past tense. I have given them into your land. The, the battle hasn't even started yet, but from God's perspective, it, it's a done deal. Friends, you, you serve a God who speaks about the battles you were presently facing in the past tense because they have already been won, because Jesus won them for us on the cross, which we'll be celebrating at the end of the service. Jesus has already won the victory for us. We're, we're, we're just asking him to share the spoils of that victory with us now rather than just waiting until heaven. The story continues. After an all-night march from uh, Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise, uh, the Lord threw them, that's the enemy, into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road, going up to Beth Horon, and cut them down all the way to Ezekiah and uh, Makedah. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Ezekiah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. So hey, one thing you can say about the Bible, and certainly many of the stories of the Old Testament, it is not boring. 
It's full of action, intrigue, drama. Let's keep reading. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Hey, that's our supernatural God at work fighting battles on our behalf. Our God will fight on your behalf. But notice, the Israelites, they had to do something. They had to do what they are able to do. They had to fight in this battle. They had to fight with all that was in them. But as they did what they were able to do, and as they did it with all of their might, God turned up and did what only God can do. There is a principle here that we see all throughout the Bible. We work as if it all depends on us, and we pray as if it all depends on God. You know, some people just think you pray and sit back and wait for God to work. No. So often, God only turns up until after we step in the battle. God turns up after we walk into the Red Sea. God turns up after we step out in faith, after we get into the fight. We do the work that we can do with all of our human might, and as we do, that's when God supernaturally turns up with his power. God meets us as we step out in faith. And if what's just happened, you know, is not enough, the victory that they are in the process of winning right now, get, we get into the really good part of the story now. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. Only 13 words, but words that had cosmic consequences. This was not a long prayer. But yeah, just watch what God did, what God did in response to the faith of that one man named Joshua. So the sun stood still. And the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a, light, there's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Yeah, I'd say so. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And to the best of my knowledge, you know, it's never happened since. And I am aware that there are a few scientists, a couple anyways, who, who think there might be evidence to support that that actually happened. I believe it. So what do you do with a story like that? What do you do with stories like that all throughout the Bible? Why do these stories keep turning up throughout the scripture? Why? Because the same God who made the sun stand still for Joshua... The same God who, who rose Jesus from the dead, that same God will show himself powerful in the life of every man, woman, girl, and boy who will call on his name boldly and believe him to do the impossible. Here's something I'm, you know, starting to pray particularly this year. God, I, I want to live my life in such a way that it leaves no doubt that you are fighting for me. And I want you to encourage, I just want to encourage you to pray that prayer as well. Tell God that you want to live in such a way that it, it leaves no doubt to those who know you that God is fighting for you. It's a prayer where I'm saying, God, I, I want you to do such enormous things in my life and such enormous things through your lives, the lives of this church, that the only explanation is God. That what happens around here is unmistakably divine. Only God. Let's pray that and, and watch our God fight for us. It's kind of like the doxology that we use a lot here from the Apostle Paul at the end of our, our services. You know, the words were, now unto him 
who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Seems like the Apostle Paul had this same sun-stand-still faith. Okay, if any of you are like me, here, here's what I do. Or at least, uh, yeah, here, here's what I do when I read stories like this. I go, oh yeah, that was then, this is now. That was Joshua, that was Moses, that was Deborah, that was Ruth, that was the Apostle Paul. You know, mighty men and women of God in the Bible. But, uh, nah, that's not me. I don't measure up. I, I got sin and mess in my life. I'm, I'm no spiritual giant like those people. They were spiritual giants, and heck, I'm no spiritual giant. You with me? Well, there's a little backdrop to this story that has turned this story around for me and stirred up a bit of faith and hope for me. If you read the whole story, you find out that Joshua had gotten himself into trouble. He had made a mistake. He, he made an unwise alliance with people contrary to what God had told him to do. You see, he was supposed to have already destroyed these people, and we can talk about the violence of the Old Testament another time, but, but Joshua did something he wasn't supposed to do. He didn't listen to God. You can call it what it is, sin. And he now finds himself needing God to get him out of a situation that he got himself into because of his own stupid actions. He's in this mess because he didn't follow God's instructions. He didn't follow God's word. Sound familiar? So here's a question I have for you. Have you ever gotten yourself into a situation that is your fault? You're responsible for the mess you are in. God, I, I racked up this debt, but I really want to get my life in order so that I can be generous to your causes and do life your way, uh, do finances your way. God, I married him. Don't look at him right now. That would be awkward. But, but you can look to God right now and say, God, I, I, I need you to bless my marriage. It's not going so well. God, I haven't been the parent I needed to be, and, and now my kids are far from you, and, and I need you to bring them back. God. I've pursued money and toys, the Fort McMurray dream for a long time, and now I'm realizing that money can't bring meaning, and, and I need you, God, to come into my life in a powerful, undeniable way. If you've ever gotten yourself into a situation that you have needed God to get you out of, you can relate to Joshua. Because our God is able to turn your mistake into a miracle. You recognize that it's a mistake. You confess your sin. You ask God for a miracle. God is able to turn your mistake into a miracle. What's so awesome about this story is that we serve a God who, just like he fought for Joshua, even though Joshua should never have been in this situation in the first place, he will fight for you. He will fight for us. Even when it's your fault that you are in the mess you're in, like, wow, how awesome is that? So Joshua finds himself in a battle that is his fault. His troops are vastly outnumbered, and God shows up in a powerful way. And as Joshua is about to finish off his adversaries, the sun starts to set. And if the sun goes all the way down, the enemy is going to get away. And Joshua remembers a promise that God gave him a little earlier. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And in a moment of desperation, uh, Joshua prays something he's just never prayed before. But he's got a promise for God, and he goes for it. 
And he just doesn't mumble this prayer to himself. I mean, I might have done that, okay? Kept it quiet just in case, you know. No. He prays it loudly before all of the troops of Israel. Son, stand still. Son, stand still. And God responds, and the sun stands still, and Israel wins the battle. And friends, so can you. So can you. And I might add, I think we need to be praying sun stand still kinds of prayers for peace in our world, for, for peace in the Ukraine. I mean, if you've been following on social media, there have been some spectacular answers to prayer in the midst of the war. But the God who was asked us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, would have us pray that the peace of God's kingdom would rest in Ukraine. You know, that the Russians would choose mercy over violence. So let's pray that even as we see God in the midst of our own challenges. And all of this leads us to communion worship. As followers of Jesus, we're, we're praying for a victory that has already been won because of the cross. A victory in our personal lives and peace throughout this world. But yeah, all of the mess that sin creates in our lives in this world, the mess of sickness, mental health, uh, broken relationships, financial stress, struggles at work, world conflict in the Ukraine, but you can add Yemen, Afghanistan, Ethiopia, and we could keep going. Jesus has already secured the victory. We just need to pray that victory into all of these dark challenges. And that's what communion is all about. On the cross, Jesus secured our health, our wholeness, the health and wholeness and peace of this planet, peace in the Ukraine. We won't fully experience it until Jesus returns, but we can pray for it today. And that's what we pray when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You pray, sun stand still prayers because Jesus has already done it for us. As we prepare to respond to this message with communion worship, listen to these words of the Apostle Paul. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He, he shamed them publicly, and don't miss this, by his victory over them on, his, on the cross. His victory over them on the cross, right? The victory over sin, death, evil, the mess this planet is in, the, the mess you experience in your life, the victory of all of it was won on the cross. Up front here are communion packages of bread that represents the body of Jesus nailed to the cross and juice that pictures the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And not only has he forgiven our sins, he has purchased our perfection and the perfection of this world. He has, he has purchased our victory. And friends, it is our privilege to ask God to give us a taste of that victory which is in heaven now that it would come to earth. And every time, every time we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's what we're praying. This means for you and me that if we are followers of Jesus, we're not really fighting for victory, we're, we're fighting from victory. Let me say that again. We're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. We are fighting from the victory of Jesus on the cross, the victory of Jesus over sin, death, disease, violence, Satan. I mean, hallelujah, what a savior. And hey, maybe all of this is new to you, but you sense there is truth in what you're hearing. 
that you want this victory to be a part of your life and it's not yet, then today you could choose to become a follower of Jesus and experience a taste of that victory of Jesus now that will be fully yours come eternity. You just tell Jesus that you believe. You ask him to forgive your sin. You ask him to give you uh, power to live in victory over all of the sin and the junk that messes up your life. Tell Jesus that from this day forward you will make him the Lord and leader of your life. I'll give you an opportunity to pray that in a moment and then as a new follower of Jesus, I'll invite you to come and participate in communion. So in a moment, uh, I'm going to invite all of you who consider yourselves followers of Jesus to just come forward. And as you come forward, would you be in a posture of prayer? What is it you yearn to see God do? Well, thank God that he's already won the victory you need because of his death on the cross. As you come forward, pour out your heart to God and just let him know uh, about the mess that you need him to be at work in. And then when you get to the table up front here, pick up the communion elements and bring them back to your seat. And then as you eat the bread and drink the juice, just give thanks for Jesus' victory on the cross. And by the way, you, you peel the top part of the package and take the bread, the body of Jesus, and eat it as an act of worship and remembrance. And then you peel the next layer off and drink the juice, the blood of Jesus, as an act of worship and remembrance. And thank Jesus for the victory won on the cross. But let me first pray, and then after we pray, you can come forward at any time for communion. Uh, pray, pray with me and, and make this uh, your prayer. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die a, a brutal death on the cross that, that won for me the victory of salvation, of, of life with you in eternity. And I thank you that I can look to you to experience that victory you won on the cross for, for me so that my life might flourish. God, I confess that like Joshua, I've not always followed your ways. It has gotten me into some mess, and, and I need you despite it all. Thank you that you hear and answer prayer. Thank you that you are the God who can make the sun stand still. And I pray that you would make the sun stand still in this part of my life. And you just tell him right now where you need him to move on your behalf, on, on behalf of loved ones. God, I just look to you right now. And Father, we continue to pray a, a, a sun stand still prayer for the Ukraine, that your peace would come to that nation, that lives would be preserved. Now there's some of you here right now, and Jesus is not yet the leader and Lord of your life. He does not yet have residence in your life. And today is the day you need to make a commitment to become a devoted follower of Jesus. Just take this prayer and pray it in your own words with me. Just pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be saved, so that I could be given the gift of life now that goes on eternally. Just thank him for what he's done for you. I confess that I've not always followed your ways, and I ask for your forgiveness. Just ask Jesus to forgive you. Come into my life. Fill me with your life-giving power. From this day forward, I will follow you and seek you to transform me to, for the better as I serve you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.